It's getting hot. Summer is here. You know what that means, right? It's youth camp season. Every camp has at least one kid who sees demons everywhere. Every morning service, every evening service, and of course in the dorms, you know, the demons are jumping from bunk to bunk. And they're doing everything that they can to convince everybody in the camp that there are demons hanging from the chandeliers. They're running around on the bases on the softball field. They're uh, throwing water balloons at people. They're attacking people. They're trying to steal and control the service. And only they have the power to cast them out. Yes, they're trying to get everybody to focus on the demons. But really, once you take a closer look, it ain't about the demons. Everybody look at the demons, see the demons, look at the whole camp concerned about the demons. In all reality, it's about, hey, everybody look at me and how spiritual I am. And you find out there were no demons. Just a kid craving attention. And the demons really is a good act. Demons is one of the key words, the key buzzwords to get Pentecostal people's attention. If I say demons, I get your attention much more than I already have it. Now, don't get me wrong. Demons are real. I have seen them. I've cast them out. I know what they feel like. They feel hopeless. You get around them, you will feel hopeless. You will feel despair. You will feel exactly what they are. And it's not a pleasant experience. Thank the Lord for power to cast that out because demons have made people miserable in their lives. Demons are nothing you want to be fake about. Demons are nothing you want to fantasize about. If you are, you chances are you're watching too much anime. anime. Uh, you're reading those weird Japanese comics. And it's opening up your imagination and causing hysteria to things that really aren't there. But you keep after it, you'll summon it. I know what I'm talking about because I have lived through an experience like this. When I was a youth pastor one year, we were at camp. I was looking forward to a great camp. You know, have a lot of fun. See a lot of kids get the Holy Ghost. Enjoy myself. Have a good time out there with uh, the youth group, other youth groups, and other chaperones, other youth pastor friends of mine. And I, it was the first day, and the one of the kids in our youth group come running up to me, and he said, Pastor Justin, you will not believe it, but such and such, named the girl in our youth group, he said, she has demons. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, and he named the guy, <laughs> let's call him, uh, let's call him Sam. <laughs> It's not his real name, but we'll just call him Sam. <laughs> he said, Sam has got us all in a circle around her and trying to cast a devil out of this girl. We'll call her Bridget. And I said, are you serious? And he said, yeah, they're doing it right now in the chapel. And I walked in there and sure enough, Sam had about 40 kids around this girl trying to cast the devil out of Bridget. Bridget was a good girl, one of the best girls in our youth group, solid, good head on her shoulders, apostolic. And I couldn't believe it, but this kid, this nerd, this weird kid had convinced even her that she had demons. And I walked in and I gently just said, you all, I appreciate what you're doing here, but it's time to have fun. We'll pray tonight at church. So why don't you all go enjoy yourself? 
Sam got up to walk away and I said, nope, Sam, you sit down here and talk. And I said, after everybody left, it was just he and I just said, dude, tell me what happened. He said, well, she has demons. I said, she does. He said, yeah, she sure does. I said, well, what do they look like? And he just kind of paused and I could tell he was about to lie to me and, and say they had horns and pitchforks and wings, whatever. But he said, well, I don't know what they look like. I said, really? Well, you said she's got them. You must have seen them, right? And he said, no, I haven't seen him. I said, huh? I said, did they speak through her? What did their voice sound like? What did they say? You know, that's pretty common when somebody's devil possessed. He said, um, they didn't say anything. And I, I said, uh, then how do you know? And he goes, I just know. I said, have you, have you seen Bridget do anything demonic? Is she involved in anything demonic? He said, well, no. And I said, buddy, the Bible says greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Is Bridget baptized in Jesus name? He said, yeah. I said, does she have the Holy Ghost? He said, yeah. I said, you know, she's a great influencer in our youth group. Do you have a crush on her? And his face got really red. (laughs) He went silent. I said, dude, you know what I think is going on here, man? You didn't see any demons. You didn't hear any demons, but you come to camp and you want to feel spiritual and act spiritual. And you're just imagining things that aren't there. I said, you know what you did, man? I said, you caused a lot of confusion and strife, which is actually demonic. God is not the author of confusion, but I said, you got everybody confused in here about something that wasn't even real, something that wasn't even true. I'm just giving you the short version of that story, actually. Before it was all said and done, he <laughs> looked up at the ceiling and Sam started to cry and he said, what have I done? <laughs> you know, um, I was gentle with him. I I, th- I felt like I handled it good. And before it was all said and done, he went out and, and uh, ended up playing and all the activities and had a good time. And, and he stopped the demon talk after that. Really what this young man was wanting to do, what so many want to do when they feel an unction to be used of God, is they want approval. They want approval that they are powerful. They want approval that they've got something to do and something to say. But can I just tell you this? You want approval of the people and be approved by God. You're not going to do it by making a putz of yourself, by creating an enemy that's not even real. But sadly, this happens, and it's going to happen this summer. And I'm here on this podcast to help you out. We've talked about uh, demoting yourself by self-promotion. The parable that Jesus tells about a man who was invited to a wedding feast and went and sat in the highest and the best seat, and he was asked to be removed because it was reserved for somebody else, and he had to go sit in the lowest seat. I've seen that happen. You start small, and you wait for opportunities and invitations of others to be um, promoted. That's that's how it works in ministry. And then, secondly, we talked about Simon the sorcerer who had no official training, wasn't called to it, but just felt like he could just give a little money and receive the same power and gifting that the apostles had. And Peter turned around and could see the bitterness in his soul. And so we're going to kind of continue in this same vein here of thought, and that is how how you can set yourself up 
to be approved to God, to be approved to God. You notice here in this series, I'm not talking about how to write a sermon. I'm not talking about how to be a pulpiteer. I'm not talking about how to network and create relationships and friends with people in in a way that'll help you open doors and receive opportunity. I'm not talking about uh, a deep prayer, deep fasting and visions and dreams and all that that come with the ministry. But we're approaching it from another from another angle and a very important subject. And these things are big hindrances to young men and young women who want to be used of God. You're trying to self-promote and it's not working out for you. You are trying to, yes, maybe your money, but perhaps your talent, your gifting, whatever. You think whatever you have to offer can somehow buy and purchase the gift of God. It doesn't work that way. And then also you're making up silly things and causing dispute and chaos in order to get attention on yourself to look spiritual and look powerful. And it's not working out. I'll say it again. You're making an absolute putz of yourself and nobody is taking you seriously. And you better stop before you completely ruin your reputation because your reputation will always precede you. If you're known as being the crazy person who sees demons and everybody and what the preacher is preaching is wrong and you know what's right and what the song uh, that the worship leader chose is not the will of God for tonight. It needs to be another song and you just end up causing problems and strife. People are going to get on to you and you know what? Preachers and pastors are not going to want to use you. And we're going to talk about that today. I think you'll enjoy it. I think it's going to help a lot of people. And I just I just want to see you used of God. Because let me tell you, you can be called of God and never do a thing because you never distinguished yourself. You never bettered yourself. You never uh, were teachable. You were never corrected, never able to receive correction. All things that are important. And it's why, it's why, and a lot of people don't focus on that, which is why they get burnt out and they end up backsliding and uh, not believing in God because they knew they were called of God and nothing ever happened. Well, there were reasons nothing ever happened. And the same God that called you the same calling and being chosen that's written about in the Bible also speaks of these things that I'm that I'm talking to you about. So uh, lesson one, if you don't see the demons, don't talk about the demons. If you can't hear the demons, if it hasn't been revealed to you by the word of knowledge or the discerning of spirits or something like that, uh, don't say anything. So uh, maybe you're confused. If what you are seeing or feeling is causing confusion, it ain't God. If it's causing strife and problems amongst other people, it's not God either. But God's way, God's will, what God sees and God feels, it'll always be clear, obvious, and peaceable every single time. Uh, welcome back to the podcast. <laughs> this is Justin C. Gleason. Happy summer, you all. Yeah. Demons and kids who want to get attention at camp. Here we go. We're just trying to keep God in the pod in the year of our Lord 2021. So please hit subscribe or click follow and become a loyal listener. Make this podcast a part of your weekly podcast intake. Scroll on down, give us a great review and rating, and share this episode with your friends. Contact me at Justin C. Gleason at gmail.com. Also follow me at Justin C. Gleason on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Reference your show notes below for further details. Podcasting is the future. (laughs) 
So you're probably going to hear it preached this summer at camps, conferences, Congress, wherever. You go someplace and they have, you know, the call of God night where the message will go forth and the song will be played and the altar call will be open to anybody who will go. Anybody who will go. I like that. I like the um, net casting approach, not so much the line and hook, but rather the net. Try to pull as many as you can because the more wide range you are, the more laborers you get and, and the fields are white and we need as many laborers as we can. But the this big like over promise of being mightily used of God is not always the case for a lot of people and we don't want to create false hope. You know, hope is special. Hope is good. Hope is of God, but false hope is of the devil. And we don't want to create a, a reality that's not there. You know, God gives to some people one talent. He gives to others five and to some others ten. And we can't just expect God at every youth camp to give ten talents, you know, to every kid that shows up. It's just not going to work out. So you're going to hear it preached. God does not qualify, or excuse me, God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. <laughs> I've heard that as, as long as I can remember. You really want to preach some stuff. You got to get some new new ideas. If you regurgitate what everybody's already said and you're just ordinary, you're not going to get invites. Uh, that's that's lesson one. Distinguish yourself. Become uh, an individual. Become very original in your ideas. So yeah, you'll hear it. God does not qualify. Call the qualified. He qualifies the call. See, I don't even know how to say it because I don't say it. I, I've t- I've never preached that. Never one time have I ever preached that God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the call. I don't say that because I'm not so sure if I necessarily believe that's how it's laid out in the Bible. I don't really see a verse for that, uh, truthfully, where it says that specifically. Now, there's examples uh, of that, but really what I think it means is it's like David compared to all his other brothers. Samuel thought the king should be tall and handsome and the oldest and the strongest, but really God said, I don't look on the outward, uh, outward part of a man. I don't look at a king as men see kings. I really look for their heart because they have a heart after me. I can really use them to do something great. So that's kind of where that, I think that idea of God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called, which which is a good concept. That is very true. You look at uh, most of the men and women used of God. They on the outside, not very impressive, but they have a heart that is so like Christ, so like his spirit. And that's why they're able to be used uh, in the way that they are used. So, but let's go with this even deeper. Anybody who ever says that God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the call. I'm not going to say no names, but I look at these preachers that say this. And in every case, in almost every case, some of them say it because they don't know what else to say. But in every case, those who intentionally say it are usually under underachievers in ministry. They haven't really done much for God. They're kind of just stuck in that I'm not qualified type of attitude. And that's fine. I get it. Be humble. But yeah, and I believe that God qualifies the call. He'll train you. He'll work on you. If you're open, if you pray, you study, you fast, you'll just grow. But my idea and what I preach is 
God qualifies the call, but you yourself need to develop qualities. Don't get hung up on the qualified and forget about the qualities. I'll say it again. Qualities. Come on. You uh, use some glees in vernacular here. Say qualities. Yes, that's right. One more time, class. Repeat after me. Qualities. And in context of what this episode is about, I'm going to give you some qualities here, and that is to be peaceful, steadfast, believe sound doctrine, live a godly life, and have great influence. Those are good qualities to set you up for a phenomenal ministry. And what I mean by ministry, I'm not talking about a greeter out front or a parking lot attendant, although those ministries are very spiritual. You know, greet one another, the New Testament says. It's very, uh, very spiritual. Greetings are powerful. Greetings uh, release the anointing, creating that first impression. But let's face it, whenever we hear ministry and reaching millions and thousands and doing great things for God, who will go? That is talking about titles, pulpits, and solos. <laughs> That's it. Titles, pulpits, and solos. Or the pulpit solos and titles. Some people, uh, it's then, and then for some people, it's the solo, the title, and the pulpit. <laughs> Those three, that's really what's on people's mind. Let's take a look at what the Bible has to say about ministry for people who uh, cause problems. Reading to you from 2 Timothy chapter 2. Remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord not to strive about words to no profit and to the ruin of the hearers. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, but shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness, and their message will spread like cancer. Hmm. Hymenaeus and Philetus are of this sort. Who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is already past, and they overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands. Having this seal, the Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone whose names, the name of Christ, depart from iniquity. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some for honor, some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Flee also youthful lusts, mm. but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with all those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart, but avoid foolishness and ignorant disputes knowing that they generate strife. Ugh. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, and in patience, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance, so that they may know the truth, and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Wow. If you're called to preach, get familiar with that passage. Highlight it. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. It's a passage 
directly to Timothy, who was a young preacher uh, who was highly promoted by the Apostle Paul, his bishop, his mentor. And there were problems that had developed in the church. See, Paul was very successful in the in these Gentile cities he would go to. He would preach, he would teach, he would perform uh, miracles, wonders, and signs, and thousands, thousands would come to the Lord. And he would establish a church and set up bishops and elders, leaders, in those, in those local churches, and uh, they would be a thriving church. Well, you know what Satan's going to do. He knew he couldn't attack from without, so he attacked from within. And he would raise up enemies at the gates, and Paul names names two of these enemies, Hymenaeus and Philetus. They had crazy teachings about the resurrection. And usually when it comes to a crazy teaching, it always has something to do with uh, end, end times, Bible prophecy, doesn't it, huh? That's just how it is. Um, it's really easy to get sidetracked and get off into some unsound doctrine. And Paul admonishes the young pastor, Timothy. He said, you've got to strive to present yourself approved to God. Notice he doesn't say approved by God. That's another idea for another place in time. But approved to God, meaning when you present yourself before the Lord in prayer, ministry, whatever, in the pulpit, you hopefully have approval on you from the Lord, from people, from the Spirit, whatever. So when you stand before God, you are approved. You're not um, cast off. You're not discredited. But rather, it is obvious and seen upon your life that you are approved to do the work of the ministry in the eyes of the Lord. And it comes from what you say and what you do. That's the approval that we're talking about here. So let's let's talk about the disproved first. Paul gives us a great list all spread throughout this passage of Scripture. He says those who are disapproved to God, who have no, no real favor upon their life by the Lord, these are the people who speak words with no profit to the ruin of the hearers. They speak profane words and idle babblings, and their message spreads like cancer. They love foolish and ignorant disputes that generate strife. Basically, the enemies within who try to destroy the church, who have no business being in the pulpit, have no business doing solos, have no business doing titles, basically they have a big mouth, and their mouth causes arguments and fights within the church over doctrine, over standards, over guidelines, basically anything that surrounds God, Bible, and church, the disapproved by God, they are, they are not problem solvers. They're problem makers. They're always fighting with somebody. They're always causing problems. Always. That's right. And they lead a lot of people away from the Lord with their words and their deeds. They're disapproved of God. Their words, their life, everything, the fruit they bear spreads like a cancer, just like these two schmucks, Hymenius and Philolitus. Some weird names. That's right. Who names their kid? Hymenicus. Goodness gracious. Weird names mm. with weird doctrines causing problems for Paul and Timothy. 
so many problems, he likens their message to be like a cancer. Cancer is a killer. Cancer is serious. And the doctrine that they taught concerning the resurrection that had already come in the past, that, you know, there was no revelation, uh, none of this. Kind of, very similar to the preterist uh, out there, by the way, which which is a doctrine straight out of hell. Uh, but yeah, I'm okay with it because I know some people that believe it. They keep it to themselves. They're not out to change the doctrine of the church. They're not out to make the pastor look like a fool. They just like it for themselves. It helps them make sense of Bible prophecy. And you know what? I respect that. That's fine. Really, I'm fine with anybody believing and doing anything they want, just so long as they keep it to themselves. The problem is, is when they try to sway votes and try to sway influence their way. That's when it becomes major disapproval. And they need to be called out. They need to be rebuked before all for their sin. And hopefully they'll repent, as Paul taught. Okay, so that's just that's a really small list of those who are disapproved. Paul spends more time on speaking about how to be approved, and this is what you got to do, Timothy, and this is what you got to do, Sam, and this is what you got to do, uh, whoever you are listening to this. Um, you need to have the approval of God. It needs to be obvious, and that comes just through, you know, when you preach, do things happen? Or do when you preach, nobody moves? Uh, if you got a good altar call, it's a sign stuff happens. When you go up and talk to somebody... You know, is it an enjoyable conversation? Is it meaningful? That's a good sign. If it's not, then you don't have the approval of the Lord. But let's get into this. Uh, somebody who's approved of approved to God has no shame in their life. They've gotten rid of that. They buried it in baptism. They forgave and they moved on. They carry no shame with them at all. They're not embarrassed of themselves. Their confidence in God is high. Their confidence in God's anointing upon their life is high. They just they got the approval of God and they know it. No shame at all. You need to rightly divide the word of truth. Meaning you need to know the Bible. You need to know doctrine. You need to know truth. I'm amazed at how many people out there that go to Bible college, come out of it, and have never read their Bible. They don't know their Bible. They can't even articulate really the true gospel with any coherence. All they know how to do is get up there and scream and holler and say, God does not call the qualified. He he qualifies the called. You know, <laughs> That's all they know how to do. Yeah. Mm. Moving on. Solid foundation of God always stands. That's right. You've got to be steadfast if you're going to be approved to God. You need to de depart from iniquity. You need to keep a clean vessel for honor. I'm giving you phrases right out of, right out of this passage in 2 Timothy chapter 2. You need to be sanctified and useful for the master. You need to flee useful, youthful lusts. That's right. Put down your porn. Get into the word of God. Get into podcasts. Flee youthful lusts. Porn is for curious little boys looking to have a good time. Sneaking it around. Back in the day, little boys kept magazines hidden out in the woods in a little box that they buried underneath a tree stump. That's the youthful lusts. It's silly. If you're listening to this, I'm assuming you're at least 16, 17, 18. You know, you're leaving your youth years. It's time to pull up your pants and act like a man. Flee youthful lusts. All right? Girls, keep your virtue. Don't sell your virtue. Right? I know in this society they mock at that. They like virtue. Oh, virtue. You know, their idea of a you know powerful, independent woman is going out and getting drunk and waking up with five strange men around you that you've never even met before. Okay? And I'll stop right there. Flee youthful lusts. 
Pursue righteousness and faith, love and peace. Okay? With those who call upon the Lord. Avoid foolishness and ignorant disputes. Don't quarrel. Be gentle to all. Teach. Be patient. Correcting others with humility so that they will repent and not be taken captive by the devil to do his will. That's how you're approved of God if you can do all those things. If you can keep peaceful dialogue, not arguing with fools, you can see through their game, you know what they're trying to do, and you don't have sin in your life, and you're able to correct gently and keep the church together and keep the church happy and moving forward, you're approved of God, and you deserve a title. You're worthy of the pulpit. You're worthy of the solo. You're worthy to be seen and heard for God. You sure are. So seek to be approved of the Lord. That's right. No shame. You know the truth. You're steadfast. You flee iniquity. You're a clean vessel for honor. You avoid foolish and ignorant disputes. You flee youthful lust. You do all those things. That's how you get approved to God. Yep. And I know maybe you're thinking, okay, that was back then, but what about here and now? Does these things work here and now? Are there people that are literally disproved in the eyes of the Lord and in the eyes of our bishops and pastors? Yeah, there are. Oh, yeah. Come on. Think about it. Not too long ago, just a year ago, the COVID-19 lockdown. I mean, you want to talk about disputes. Pastors who closed the doors of their church. People got loud on social media how their pastor was a part of the uh, conspiracy, the socialist New World Order. All of this. You know, the people that were so angry about the lockdown were the people that were not faithful to begin with. That's right. It's those those stupid parents out there that the youth pastor tries to plan an event and the parents don't even take their kids. And they're, and they're always complaining, oh, the youth group doesn't do anything. The youth pastor does something and they're not even there. Ugh. I know about that. I lived through that as a youth pastor. Believe me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the people that complain the most were the most carnal. People who complain and blame, they're like the, the, the sinful generation that wandered in the wilderness the ones who the, the ground opened up and swallowed them up and, and flame, flames of fire shot out of the tabernacle and burned them up. God hates complaining. He can't deal with it. And there was a lot of uh, people disproved of the Lord during the COVID-19 lockdown. They lost their patience. They lost their cool. They did not turn the other cheek. They did not agree with their adversaries, but instead they revolted for it and they're paying a heavy price for it. That's right. Some of these churches, some of these pastors, they've had to pay thousands of dollars in legal fees, thousands of dollars in fines. And for what? Has their church gotten bigger? No. Their churches got smaller. <laughs> they, you know, and people, I, and I, I heard them out there. People were looking at these pastors who kept their doors open and defied the law. They were saying, oh, God is going to give that church revival. Bull Sunni and Shiite. It did not happen. And it's not going to happen. It was the spirit of contention and strife. It was nothing but arguing. There was no peace in resisting the authorities during that time. Ugh. You know, I'm I feel like a little boy. And I'm not gonna get in a I'm not gonna get in a rush and I'm not gonna get in in in, in a bad mood. I tell you the truth, I'm actually really hungry right now. I could go for some chips and salsa. After this recording, I, I'm going to enjoy a, a nice snack tonight. It's, we're coming up into Father's Day weekend, and after this, we're going to treat myself to some chips and salsa. So I, I don't want to get uh, too worked up here. 
But yeah, the, there was no revival uh, for the people that kept their doors open. I haven't. If there is, I haven't seen it. To me, it looks like the crowds dwindled. People didn't want to go along with that. They thought it was weird. But for those of us that stuck with it and obeyed our civil authorities, there was peace in that. You could feel the peace in that. The people that followed the guidelines of their community, there was more peace in that than the people that said no and revolted. They're disapproved of God. What about all of the George Floyd stuff? Even more worse and severe than COVID-19 lockdowns. That George Floyd controversy, I mean, I saw people who were good friends and that George Floyd thing, they were no longer talking to each other. Uh, Because some people, when they looked at that situation, they saw a white cop and a black criminal. But for a lot of people, they just saw a cop and a criminal. They didn't see the race. They didn't make their decisions upon race. It was about cop and criminal. And so you have those disputes like that. I mean, they're arguing and fighting. All of the fighting. I mean, there are literally preachers who were friends for years. They're not friends anymore. I mean, there were people that went to churches and left their church. Groups of them left because the pastor wouldn't get up and bash the police. Look, there's rooms for di- room for differences of opinions on this. You know, um, you know, and the devil's back there laughing because he got us all fighting over George Floyd. Kind of segues into the whole Pride Month, the LGBTQ stuff. That's their message, you know, and I've been watching the news. I haven't seen one Christian get out there and try to disrupt these parades for for all of these gay people and trans people. Not one time. You know why? Because we're peaceful people. We're not trying to stop you. We believe in a civil society. You know, we don't want you to be discriminated against. You know why? Because we don't want to be discriminated against. You get the opportunity to have freedom of your sexuality and your gender disorientation we get the freedom to practice heterosexual monogamy and and worship god and and don't practice those things because we feel it it offends god according to his word and we want to make it into heaven that's what we do what we do it's not hatred towards you it's just love for god you know and uh we'll be co-workers with you we'll be neighbors with you we'll you know get along with you there's no hostility coming from the church to the lgbtq community I am. I know these are sensitive subjects, and I want you to know I love you. I'm just mad about the fighting, the arguing. You know, think about this. A lot of districts. We were talking about camps. You know how many districts now in the unit and in well, in Pentecost, our United Pentecostal Church and other organizations, they have split over a campground. That's right. You got people that are really rural and like the feeling of camp. Well, then you got city people who can't stand camp. They'd rather be in hotels and nice restaurants and have a conference, you know, type setting as opposed to like uh, RVs and stuff like that. Camp, camp meeting. Um, and my eyes itch. All these allergies. Ah, districts dividing over a camp. They're fighting over camps. Is that of God to fight like that over something like that? No, it's not. It's the devil. Seeking to cause the spirit of disapproval to come on the ministry. Yeah. I remember when I was in Bible college, TV was the big subject of fighting. I, w- I wouldn't fight with people. They uh, Some of the Bible college guys were trying to fight about it. 
You know, they were just talking what their dad was saying. I, I didn't say a word, you know, uh, because truth be told, uh, I love TV. I love yummy. T- I, I love yummy cable TV. TV is wonderful. I might even go watch some TV after I record this podcast. <laughs> I do. I, I, I like TV. TV TV's relaxing. You know, I love news. I love sports. I love all of that. And I and I don't set any wicked thing before my eye. You know, what does the manual say? Uh, no ungodly media. And I don't. Not on my phone. Not on my laptop. Not on my TV. Uh, none of that. I keep it uh, sanctified. Okay. Uh, even the podcast I listen to. Man, there are some wicked podcasts out there. Goodness gracious. Ugh. You know, I listen to wholesome stuff. I don't want to have anything that entertains the devil coming into my eyes or my ears or whatever. You know, I want to be approved of God. I want to be a person of peace. And sinful things will lead to sinful arguing and sinful lifestyle. So, But I remember being like 21 years old there at Salt Lake City General Conference, and all these preachers were up there yelling and, you know, I mean, it, it looked like a courtroom from the 1920s. It was so funny the way they were acting. It was just ridiculous. And they were all doing it to get attention and to be seen. You know, they knew the news was there and everybody was trying to get their picture in the paper, you know. And, and what's his name? He got up there and was like, we don't need to have a silent ballot. We need to be men about this. You know, let's say yay or nay. And Brother Haney's like, this is exactly what I did not want. And I got to looking at that situation because I was on the fence about it. You know, I was for revival. I was for whatever God wants. And I'm looking at the spirit of the no TV guys. They're angry. They're vicious. They're gnashing their teeth. And then I look at uh, Bishop Haney, who I who I pretty certain was for the TV thing. He was for advertising on TV and, and changing our language. I was looking at Anthony Mangan, who was for it too. And other guys, such a spirit of peace, such a spirit of humility and it became obvious to me what the right side of the issue was. And thank goodness it finally uh, passed, you know, a few years later. So that was a that was a big deal, you know, back then. And but, you know, they all left, uh, formed their own thing. They, they would send me magazines and invites, you know, and <laughs> and I'm just like chucking them in the trash, using them in my fireplace. You know, God bless them. Let them have fun. You know, but I mean, just the spirit of that quarrelsome, the disputes, the vain babbling that leads uh, many hearers away and ruins their lives. That's exactly what that anti-TV crowd did. And you know what? Thank God a lot of them actually saw through it all and they're trying to come back to the UPC. And you know what? I think we should let them. I think we should let them. Also, the emergent church people. You know, NAYC is coming up. I love NAYC. It's gone to another level. But there were a few years when NAYC was a little questionable back in the 2000s. And I remember it was in, um, I think, Louisville, Kentucky in 2011. I I can't remember off the top of my head. I have to look at my journal. But I remember uh, parking the bus. Our youth group got out. We were walking in. And as we're walking in, I'm in the front of our group walking in. And I look and I see about 50 from a distance. It looked like 50 what many would call homeless people. You call them homeless, I call them bums. Because a homeless kind of dictates that somebody has a right to a house. And I'm not so sure having a house is a right. It's not in the Bible. 
doesn't say you, you have a right to a house in the Bible. And it doesn't say it anywhere in our Bill of Rights or our Constitution. Having a house is a, a privilege. It's a luxury that you work hard for and you obtain. So I don't like homeless. I like vagrants. It sounds a little, a little better maybe. We'll call them vagrants. Oh, about 50 vagrants out there in front of NAYC. And I'm like, oh, no. Because some people think that these homeless vagrant bums are so nice people and gentle and sweet and kind. Oh, no, they're not. They'll yell obscenities. They'll try to rob you. Uh, They'll stab you. They'll dump a bucket of their hot poop on you. That's right. They'll stick you with their needle. They're crazy people. They are mentally insane and demon possessed. So I'm walking up and I'm like, oh, no, here we go. All these youth, all these Pentecostals walking into NAYC seeing a bunch of crazed bums, a horde of them are going to attack us all and steal our money. I got to looking at them and I'm like, wait a minute, those aren't real bums. Oh, no, <laughs> because you can't dress up like a real bum. Oh, no, you got to be a bum to look like a bum. You know, it takes it takes you can't just make yourself smell like they do, you know, with uh a costume or whatever you you gotta you, it takes work yeah it takes work and i got to look at them and i realized you know what these aren't real bums these are upc people pretending to be homeless and i knew what was going on because it was the spirit of the social gospel back then you know we we were you know people were preaching you know it's a shame that we're here in our nice suit and ties and enjoying our church and there's so many hungry starving people you know, out there in this city, we've got to go and feed them and absolve world hunger. That's what we got to do. That's what we're called to do. We've got to be the church, be the church. You know, the Bible says he that doesn't work doesn't eat. And that's New Testament. <laughs> How's that for social gospel? You don't work, you don't eat. That's why I quit giving money to bums. You don't want to work. No, you don't eat. You just don't. Uh, I, I give to the poor and I give to those in need. I give them alms, little bits of money here and there to people who are just had the rug pulled out from underneath them in life. But people who have been a bum for 25 years, they, they ain't getting no job and nothing's going to improve. Matter, matter of fact, you're, you're, you're not helping them. You're causing a problem for cities because cities are being overtaken by bums. We have a bum problem in America. They're everywhere. Needles and feces in the streets. And, you know, we're saying, be the church, be the church. Well, I don't see the church able to do anything. You can't help them people. And, and when you do give them money, you know what? I think you're doing you're doing them a disservice. You're not helping them have uh, adaptive competence. You know, think about it. For those of you that know how to swim, what if uh, you were never able to get out and try it on your own in the deep end? You'd never learn to swim. You know, there comes a point when you just got to go without any help. Uh, help never helps you achieve. It never helps you gain skills. It never helps you get farther in life. And I realize a lot of people are just uh, mentally ill and, and strung out on drugs, and, and and we don't know what to do with them. You know, but the, and and that's you know, there's different ideas upon that, and I'm open to anything. But what I was really upset about was the the general youth division leadership at that time was really trying to manipulate all of them young people that they weren't doing anything for God because nobody invited any of them homeless people into church. We're standing in line. We've got the cards. We're trying to get in. I look at all these homeless people and I, and I told our youth group, I said, guys, those are actors. They're actors. Those aren't real bums. Don't give them any money. I mean, they had cardboard signs out there, hungry, lonely, homeless, need help, need money. Please help. God bless. 
And I watched as thousands of people were beginning to pour in there around the arena and nobody went up and talked to him. And I was so proud of them youth group kids. I think they all figured it out too. And I watched as the police came up and told all <laughs> the police came up and broke it up. Thank you, Louisville police. Yay, police broke it up. Get the bums out of there. That's right. It's uncivil. It's un, it's uncivil to have bums in the front of a building like that, loitering like that. It's against the law, vagrancy laws, right? They still exist in places. But, I mean, we got into service, and sure enough, they got up there. One of, one of them, who will go, starving people, people, was up there preaching and, you know, brought up that, that there were people out there and nobody invited them into church. Well, because we all knew they were church people. Why invite a church person into church? <laughs> It was so stupid. It's that social gospel stuff, and it caught it, it's it's a it's a subject of strife. It's it's a subject of vain babbling that doesn't help anybody. Okay, so why all this strife? Why do people get into that? Why do people cause problems? Yeah, another thing that, that emergent church. I was almost deceived by it. I really for a moment thought, you know what? Yeah, that's right. The church has been sent to absolve world hunger. And then I realized, you know what? Jesus said, the poor you have with you always. Meaning it's the human condition and there's nothing you can do about it. Mm. The only thing you can do is please the Lord. Do what I do. You give your alms. It's little spare change to somebody who's truly in need. You know, a a single mom who's been uh, abandoned with kids. Help that out. Uh, a, a wounded vet who is completely disabled. Help him out. But a 22-year-old, three, 22-year-old, 23-year-old kid who's a punk, doesn't want to get a job, got kicked out of, out of his house by his own mother because he was smoking pot and, and watching porn in the basement. You know, And he robbed his mom, so he's out on the street begging. You know, share, man, share. I ain't giving you no money, dude. Why don't you get a job, man? Do something meaningful. Make something from yourself. I ain't giving no money to you, no. But somebody who truly needs it. You know what? I do that. I do that. That's hospitality that attracts angels and uh, and uh, pleases the Lord. You need to be doing that stuff. But so anyway, back to uh, the, these people that cause strife, who are called of God and chosen to be in the pulpit and have a title and have a name, all of that. Why do they start up the strife? Like Hippomotanimus and 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 uh, Pianus or Philetus, whatever his name was. What, what what why why did we have that why why the strife over the tv and the, and the blms and and the covid and the schmovids and the schmooters and the and the schmoots and the hoots and the whatever why all the, why all of the the disputes well i think there's three reasons for it number one they want to steal followers that's right it's people who have a small circle of friends they want to get more friends they want to steal followers and their motive behind their new ideas to strive about whatever it may be. could be end-time Bible prophecy. It could be a social injustice. <laughs> it could be a small group ministries, you know, or big group ministries or whatever. They have these new ideas to make the standing leadership, whoever it is, look foolish. That's right. They're getting up in business meetings, district business meetings, and wanting to fight about the camp. They're doing that to make the leader look like a putz. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to mock God's anointed, trying to remove God's anointed. Yeah, because they want to proselyte other voters, other followers. So that's why they're doing it. It's, it's not about their idea. It's about stealing others. 
trying to make the, uh, the, the leader look stupid, make them into an enemy so they can rally the troops. That's the motive behind it all. That's the discerning of spirits. That's right. Uh, and let me tell I know I've been sarcastic in this episode and I've probably uh, gotten a little crazy. <laughs> okay. I'll just tell you it's Thursday night and it's midnight and I'm recording this. I've had a busy day <laughs> and yeah, I probably should go ahead and eat those chips and salsa and go to bed, but I'm having a good time. And, and I know you are our tool. I've, I've gained a lot of trust with you all, and I'm just kind of telling you how it is tonight. And, and I, I think you're enjoying this. You're probably listening to this on, on Friday afternoon, and your eyebrows are up, and your eyes are wide open, and your mouth is dropped, and you're like, oh, my God, what is Gleason saying and talking about? <gasps> well, uh, it, it is what it is. You're, you're getting the, the raw and the rough, uh, Justin. Tonight. You know what? It hasn't been that bad. And I'm not going to go back and edit it. I don't have time. I'm just going to slap the bumper music on it at the beginning and the ending and and call it call it a good episode. (laughs) Anyway, why why are more uh, um uh, 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 what where where was I? Okay, I don't have notes. Where was I? Where was I? Oh oh, why are they striving? Why are they why are they anger? I think they're trying to conceal secret sin when somebody gets to doing that. Morality will always dictate theology. It goes hand in hand. I'm telling you, I've seen this happen through the years. A preacher who seems to be really conservative, all of a sudden he's not conservative anymore. Oh, he's probably into into a major moral failure. Moral failure. That's the politically correct term for adultery. That's right. A sudden shift in doctrine is a sign of iniquity. And you notice what Paul says here in this passage. He talks about the vain babblings and the iniquity. He talks about the foolish disputes, and it leads to youthful lust. That's right. Word and deed go hand in hand. Always fighting, always contending, always making stupid issues in the church when we should be focusing on making disciples. That's right. Some people, they want to make disciples. Other people want to feed the bums. (laughs) And disputing over that, yeah, somebody has sin, and you know what? I'm going with the uh, the uh, all those poor, hungry people. That's the iniquity there. I see it. Okay, and, and then lastly, they're a small person. I, I I just think small people make small people need big problems. Small people need big arguments. Small people need big issues. That's how they feel powerful. That's how they keep themselves out there in front. You know, like I told you the story at the beginning of this, that kid who was uh, apparently seeing demons, only in his imagination he had to pick the girl he had a crush on, one of the most popular girls in the youth group, had a demon, and getting all the kids around her. In all reality, he was trying to get everybody around himself to look spiritual and powerful. That's just a small person. And uh, it's these type of people that they talk about their ministry, whatever they do, in a way that makes it seem like they're the only one doing anything for God. You know, I joked about the the dreaded single missions girl up there screaming and yelling, who will go? All these poor people. What are you doing? All these poor people and you're doing nothing. They're trying to make themselves look like they're the only one doing anything for God and you are not. And that spirit is alive right now. That's right. You know, we were, we were talking about uh, the racism subject. I mean, the whole conversation that I've that I've heard that I've seen with among church conversations, it's as if white people are the enemy, the only enemy and white people are the only problem. You know, it it takes more than just one to fight and argue and have a problem. There's it. I don't think it's just uh, the, the white community at all, but it's being set up to like, what are you doing? What is wrong with you? It's only you. It's all you. 
You know, from top to bottom, this is an evil and racist church organization. I know you're shaking your head because you know it's true and you know it's right. These people out here, these small people that are trying to make it so that they are only justified and everybody else is wrong and it's everybody else's fault, the blame, whatever. Paul calls them a person of strife. And he says, you want to be approved to God, have no part in it. That's why I thank God for a lot of people that stood silent during the, the COVID-19 lockdown a debacle and the uh, the uh, social injustice wars and riots and racism and stuff. We just kept quiet and we prayed. That's what I did. It's because I just thought it was a foolish dispute and it profited absolutely nothing. I saw it. It caused a lot of problems for pastors. There was no peace behind any of it. So I stayed out of it and just prayed. You know what? I got through it. Praise God. And I still got my friends. Amen. So I, I just leave you with this. Don't get caught up in the ideas and the conversation that causes fights and leads people away from God, Bible, and church. You want the pulpit. You want the solo. You want the title. Be loyal to your pastor. Get in agreement with him. Teach it how he would teach it. Live it how he would live it. And watch opportunities come to you. I'm Justin C. Gleason. Thank you. Thank you.